Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Dynamite Review. We are the Dudley Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, <sighs> where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. But Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. Another really good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Dynamite from last night and the start of the Continental Classic. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let it play out. Yep. I'm convinced I'm going to see some absolutely exceptional professional wrestling. I was... We didn't get the chance to do this. We didn't get the chance to preview it, obviously, because when we recorded mm. the Dynamite preview yesterday, we did so knowing that the um, bracketology nice. uh, was going to be after the fact. Um, so just a quick note, if I may. I thought the lineup was incredibly strong. Jay, Lethal, accepted. Um, it's one thing to have Garcia in there as your pin eater, because that forms part of his uh, character and motivation, and he was selected, he can argue in your head can in that. Yep, he's had a pretty poor run of form of late, but this is the kind of wrestling at which he excels, and he's still fighting for this title sort of thing. Jay Lethal just exists. He pins, and he's the one weak link, realistically, of that field for me, but I really enjoy the field. I'm going to be a, a, a collider for the next month because I think that one's a little bit stronger. I continue to love the idea that there's no interference, even though realistically, Tony Khan is implying that's fine everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't be, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, I continue to like it. I did not think the first round of fixtures, and I love saying that word again, mm. was actively bad or anything like that. Fixtures in the league, no less. Yes, we're fixtures in, in, in the league or whatever it was. And uh, I, that said, I wasn't losing my mind at the quality of the Continental Classic matches, which were the highlight of a show that had some dismal stuff on it. Um, and realistically, if they say, they didn't say it, but they want you to think. I think Tony Khan said uh, the J-Cup is his frame of reference, but everybody else knows damn well with uh, it's the G1. It's mm. AEW's G1. Um, I didn't get the G1 feeling watching that show, the vintage peak prime G1 feeling watching that show. I still might. 
and I've got faith that I might. I mean, Brian Claudio, Brian Eddy, like Brian Brody King. I mean, gee, some of these fixtures look absolutely unreal. Um, but I was expecting like the the tone setting shock result. Mm. Didn't get that. Didn't get like an amazing TV match of the year candidate. So all in all, it was not the most auspicious of starts for the uh, Continental Classic. Yeah, it got what, like, I suppose this goes into the match reviews individually a little bit, but the tournament got kind of what Tony Khan deserved on this specific Dynamite. You had, what did we say, six hours to get hyped about any of these matches, mm -hmm. and three specifically were always going to suffer on that alone. You had almost no time to get hyped about any of them. You were, like, people were hyped last night. This announcement took place, and immediately, I was doing it, like, looking at who I thought would make the I final. I got whiplash between the announcements of everything and then the delivery of the action. Yeah, like, the, the excitement of who was going to make the final. Fickle as anything. The big, <laughs> the big pairings that you were excited about seeing along the way. Um, and then they got the... And also, but that, like, ultimately was always destined to let down several of the wrestlers because it's like, oh, by the way, it starts right now. If you'd had a week... Even if the pairings were, for me, far too weak for a week one setup. I've used mm -hmm. week too many times there. But too poor for the uh, the first selection of fixtures. It's like, even if I had that like sort of like seven-day period maybe to get excited, you still would have been thinking, ah, these aren't right for right now. These are the proverbial tournament six-pointers, like the matches where otherwise you wouldn't have a lot of interest in them. But because X really needs this win or X can't afford to lose, suddenly the match is heated out of absolutely nowhere. There are more exciting pairings that are going to come at a time when the tournament doesn't need it quite as much. So I think like, I think this was bad booking of this otherwise very good idea of which there's a lot to get excited about. Can I just say as well, before we get into mm. the show, one note on the complaints. And again, I only really address these sorts of things within the discourse if there are enough if there are enough good faith critiques of it. And because there were, I'm going to address it. I can see where AEW is coming from. I wish they'd done the first bit, like the bracketology thing. What did they call it? What was their... Uh, selection special. Selection special. I wish they'd done that a week ago, mm -hmm. um, or at least after full gear, certainly. I understood why they didn't do yeah, it yeah, at yeah. full gear, um, ahead of it, because it would have spoiled the outcomes of the matches. Um, I wish I'd done that less than, what, six hours before the show. I do get where they're coming from, from a business perspective, on why they're not announcing every fixture in advance. As much as it would be nice for us nerds who are going to watch it anyway to do the maths, the permutations of, ooh, if you add up their the points they're expected to get and the points that wrestler's expected to get, I really can't call that one, and I'm looking forward to that. For like a, like the Premier League thing, I think they've got to go to so and so on the final day and get something. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I do love that. Was it um, twenty? I want to say the twenty seventeen G one when Kenny and Okada was the last first round match, and it was like they're going to have a thirty minutes. It's the big rematch, and it's, it's going to be a thirty minutes, thirty minute sprint. And they're probably both going to need the points. Are you frigging kidding me? Yeah. That is unbelievable. It was almost. Like, so terrifying that they'd go through the third one in the G1 that you thought was the stupidest idea ever. Yeah. And it turned out to be absolutely incredible. <laughs> but you're relying on a weekly audience who increasingly dip in and out to, like, watch your shows on a weekly basis. It's not ideal, but I can understand from their perspective why they're not saying, here's every single match that is going to comprise half of mm. every Dynamite and Collision for the next month because you're just 
I don't know. I'd prefer it one way, but to quote Marlowe, it's the other way. And I can understand why it is the other way and why they are waiting, presumably, before each week. Because I'd know it just if you feel like you're going to get Danielson Kingston on collision and you only hear about it on the Friday, it's so fresh in your head mm. from the cycles of the way in which mm-hmm. weekly episodic North American TV is booked. If I know when I'm going to get it, I'd know it just doesn't have that immediacy that on which weekly TV thrives, I think. They're kind of, the philosophies clash a little bit, don't they? Because if you were to have the whole fixture list mapped out, you could even build future matches into the one you're watching. So so-and-so might really want to avoid getting their leg attacked because they know who they're up against next mm-hmm. and that person might work their leg. Just like off the top of my head, an example. But there's all sorts of stuff you can play with. And again, this is like what we lord uh, Gato for, for all these amazing G1s. But this, all of this tournament feels like it was decided by Tony Khan, like what, like last Tuesday night or something? Yeah. So like a lot of that comes with this as well. I think Sidge is right. I think it's a tactical thing as much as anything. They employed that thing that NXT tried in 2019 where it was like, right, five minutes or show time, holographic up there. Let's just see if we can steal the conversation at the last minute. That's become a, like a thing they do mm-hmm. anyway now. So I can see why they've applied that to this tournament. Um, it does, all of these things so far are chipping away at the quite prestigious pedestal that I think we all, as hardcore fans, wanted to place this tournament on. So I do hope by the end, the memories are a little bit fonder than it sort of feels right now. Yeah. Let's get into it because it, it opened the show, of course, the the first Poor match. choice. Swerve versus Jay Lethal. Swerve incredibly over, though, after a full Yeah. Game. Interesting choice for the tournament if he's not winning it. Yes. Well, right. But that it go, that's the other thing. You can't have it. I'd rather he was in it than wasn't. So I think he makes the final right. I think it's going to be Swerve and Eddie Kingston. You know, there's a million different finals, obviously. I just think that's a nice, amazing heel on the come-up. Perfect baby face for him to potentially beat. And then I was thinking, oh, but look what he wins. And that reminds me that the tournament is a little bit flawed. The triple because, crown, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's obviously a lot of merit to being the first. That's something. Yeah. Um, but he's, if I'm subconsciously thinking he's already above it, what do I th- like? This is just me. Mm. Like, what do I then think about the rest of the tournament? Do I want him to lose to Kingston? It's like, wow, Kingston was brave enough to just put it all out there on the line before the tournament even started, and he did it, and he survived. That's quite an awesome thing for Kingston. But then I'm kind of hair ruffling him as well. Good, good for you, Eddie. Mm. It's weird. Like they could really get all this um, and have uh, Swerve lose to Mox um, for all the marbles in that league. Mm. Mox versus Eddie. At World's End, Swerve has a like the sec- silver medal in the block tournament. Basically, he comes third if you're going to look like third out yeah. of twelve. Third out of twelve ain't bad. And then this is the kind of booking pattern Ghetto does. Swerve wins the big one at Revolution, and then feuds with the babyface Moxley over the summer. Who can say I had your number in the Continental Classic? So let's play for mm-hmm. the big one. Love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's against Jay Lethal, um, but he's obviously got a. I'll probably tweet that. Fairly banged up. So we're fantasy booking a bit. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. He's very banged up, obviously, after the Texas death match, which means lethal targets the taped up shoulder. He uh, um, hangs him over the ropes with it. He uh, slams Strickland down on his shoulder to take us to a break early on when we come back. Uh, uh, Strickland's cut lethal off in the corner, hits a big old superplex, rolling flatline, and a brain buster gets two count. Uh, lethal counters the figure four with an inside cradle. Reverse suplex. Top rope elbow gets him a two count. 
Strickland counters a lethal injection, puts on a stretch muffler, but lethal counters that into a cross face. He goes for the lethal injection, but Strickland drop kicks his leg, hits the house call. I did like lethal sell of like, where am I again? Sits up just in time to get hit with the swerve stomp and the one, two, three. Yeah, again, I want to reiterate that I'm really happy that this tournament exists. I have every faith in this being, at a minimum, very, 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 very good. So on principle and in reality, all for this tournament, this was a mid-match that didn't feel prestigious. It felt predictable. Jay Lethal, as I mentioned, is the weak link, not necessarily as a wrestler, but the way in which the character has been portrayed mm -hmm. on television. Um and this didn't do much for me as a match. It wasn't a great tone setter for the tournament. Um, it can recover. And, it, and, and again, I want to say, because I don't want to be fickle, it will recover mm -hmm. and this will be great. I just, this match didn't do anything for me. fell flat. It felt like it could have not been under the auspices of the tournament and just, oh, swerve, here's a win for his momentum or whatever. Um, I don't know. In terms of the way it was worked as well, Like the, I thought they got a little bit cute with the, uh, I anticipate this move, I'm going to counter it, but no, I anticipate your counter. Um, I know it just felt like it was hard to track sometimes mm. what they were doing, what the thread was. Um, well, about one in every five or six swerve matches goes that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Where the, the chemistry feels a bit off because of his specific style. Yeah. Unorthodox. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like random attack patterns mm. that he has. I just felt like the fans weren't really into every counter or going, oh, how did he anticipate that? It just felt a bit cute, maybe even contrived um, in parts, bit flat. A bit mid, um, very predictable. I just didn't think this is the way to uh, kick it off. Yeah, I, I I agree, really. Like I went five and five on my ups and downs, which you can read at whatculture.com forward slash WWE, and everything felt like this on the show. There are some things I liked. There are some things I didn't. There was something that I could like praise and then immediately chip away at seconds later. For all this was like too flavorless for the swerve follow-up from that from that high man page mm. match. Too flat. It was. It also had like quite what I thought was quite a nice bit of like show don't tell in that with all the interference gone, banned, you have reduced Jay Lethal to the kind of flavorless wrestler that he is. And it's why you surround him with the Jarrett Circus. Mm. That's where he can really fit in. It's like not to sort of reduce what was at the time quite a futuristic style that he had, but like Black Machismo really helped. You know, like that was a personality thing that you needed just to like enhance this incredible in-ring mm -hmm. that at the time was like very sort of like futuristic before it became the norm. But he's pretty run-of-the-mill now. And Swerve isn't, and certainly he's He's on this. like the new Randy Orton almost, Jay Lethal. Like Aye. his peers love him, think he's great. And the, casual, and the audience is a bit like... I, you want to work with him more than I want to watch him. Yeah, spot on. Especially in the way that like the in-ring is advanced beyond Randy Orton. That's what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I'm spot saying, spot on yeah. as a comparison. I'm very good. <laughs> but because of that, because Jay Lethal has that, what you got here was Swerve having just survived and won this brutal death match, this legendary bit of business. This was, at its purest form, him beating the man known for nothing more than his in-ring acumen, or certainly having no other option but to show off his in-ring acumen. There is no Jarrett there. There is no Satnam mm. Singh, whatever. It's just in-ring general can beat you with his eyes closed. A bit Regal-esque. Beat him with bloody eyes closed. Like, and Swerve beat him. Swerve out-wrestled him. So he's just out for Hangman Page. He, we know he can out-cheat. He's kind of like, he's this guy that will do, will stoop to any low to win so he can get in your head. Mm. He's just out-wrestled the wrestler. 
So it was, like I say, it could, I think Swerve probably needed more bells and whistles or to not be in the tournament and sell to really get across the gravitas, but it's a string to his bow week. Mm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, it was that all-important reminder they're with him. Like, you don't want... The, the way AEW is at the moment, the shaky ground that it sits on, you don't want anyone to be thinking, we're going to lose him. Like, he got so close and we're going to lose mm. him. You cannot do that. It's uh, spoke to your uh, Levekian heart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, I can trust this process yeah. for now. Yeah. Uh, so, Renee Paquette is backstage with a babyface supergroup. You're joking. Not another one? Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Shibata. Cassidy's uh, there to make an announcement before he can get to that, though. Here comes Wheeler Utah, who says, took 17 orange punches and an exposed turnbuckle to beat John, to be, defeat John Moxley. Makes me sick that you've got that ROH pure title as well, Shibata. Watch me on ROH this week, and he storms off. No, you're all right. Uh, Cassidy <laughs> says, what about my announcement of packets? I'm oh, sorry, we're out of time. I hate so much. Blackpool Combat Club. I hate them. I hate what it does to so many matches, to so many stories. So many wrestlers that you genuinely love. Yeah. Like, how the to frig to am I supposed to receive John Moxley when he aligns himself with this piece of garbage? <laughs> this whinging loser who, by the way, got into the group because he was the hardest man alive for five minutes. Yeah. What the hell am I supposed to think? Like, it just it infects so much about what all these mm. four men do. It's going to come again because Brian's on his way back. Claudio's always kicking around. And then, like, the supergroup thing is that reminder again that these were once... Shabbat being there is always the one for me. This was once a time when this was this, like, oh, God, we never had... The, like, Orange Cash and Shabbat, there was no such thing as this in 2018. You weren't even allowed to imagine it. I've imagined it so much. I've seen it. I'm bored of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a sad, like, sort of holding the mirror up to a different time group. Anything you want to say about this? No, it was every Dynamite um, segment ever. <laughs> every Dynamite backstage segment ever. Uh, so here come the brochachos, MJF and Adam Cole. Cole's got his crutches. MJF's got a cane now. Uh, and MJF says, sorry, my voice is hoarse. I've been pounding beers last night. He wants to go deep with the ladies in Chicago, and he's not talking about pizza. Sige? Um He's talking, one presumes, if he's not talking about a deep dish, mm -hmm. he's talking about some deep dick. The idea being that... <laughs> uh, what? The idea being that if he goes deep, uh -huh. that would um, indicate that he has a lengthy penis mm -hmm. that would go deeper the most mm. into the vaginal canal. Puts over Jay White as one of the toughest <laughs> challenges for his AW title. Canal. Says, no one's on the level of the devil. Uh, youngest of all time, most title defensive of all time, longest reigning. A bit too humble, if anything. Uh but he's going to toot his horn a little bit. He's the greatest champion of all time. MJF, he's MJF and he's better than us and we know it. None of this is possible, though, without his bro Chacho for life, Adam Cole. It's time for start time with Adam Cole, baby. Uh, <laughs> he's very happy that they're still ROH tag team champions. But with good news comes bad news. Cole said, I'm not even close to being cleared yet, as I can't even really walk while we're in the full gear main event then. Uh... Brings up all the challenges that have got to come for MJF and the devil. And MJF cuts him off and says, whoever stole that devil mask, uh, the, he uh, the hell I'm going to send you to is going to feel like heaven once I'm finished with you sort of thing. And then the lights go out and the devil appears on screen. And, well, what does he say, Sige? <laughs> uh, 
Um, you need to follow that with like a very entertaining, very entertaining. Devil you're dragging off. I'm not being funny, right? This was um, terrifying in the exact opposite way that they intended. They want you to be like, oh, God, that guy's sinister. <laughs> I can tell that by his uh, sinister laughter. It was, it was not, I was not, in fact, scared watching this. I Well, I was, but the idea that there are, like, this... AEW is this feeling and this vibe and is this thing that we all like the best of it so much more than anything else. Um, is frittering away. And the pulse is detached now from AEW. They don't seem to get or do not care, one of the two, about why people are like, ah, oh, it's just not as good and this is maybe a bit lame or whatever. Like, the idea of them going, right, okay, how do this devil thing, not really popping off. There's not many, um, we don't see much discourse about who it is on Twitter, or there's not many like lists being produced about potential candidates or whatever. How do they not know that the devil's a bit lame? You know what I mean? It's it's fundamentally a bit lame. With it, the, the, It's hacking this the broadcast. Yeah. It's like, it's giving creepers with the, <laughs> the associates of the devil. It is giving creepers. Yeah. And now, like, uh, the exact people who are going to rip this and the exact people who are going off AEW a bit are not going to get swayed by some incredibly hack, maniacal, supervillain laughter from the devil mask. You know what I mean? Mm. It's mm. just, mm. it's, uh, it's just, it got even more lame if that was possible, um, which is a shame because the meat of this particularly when it was MJF and Joe talking to mm. one another, it was good. Anyone can be the voice, by the way, and this, so this doesn't really matter. I'm just surprised it hasn't already happened yet. In 2001, when Vince McMahon himself just lent his voice to the uh, Undertaker DDP stalker story with uh, Sarah, remember the one who had a tattoo across the neck before he got it replaced with Bones? <laughs> and uh, somebody just had the tech. Bones, mm. business brackets this. <laughs> Battlestar Battle Galactica. <laughs> We've all got our nerds sad. <laughs> Not you, Mears, get them. <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody just unscrambled it, and it was Vince McMahon. And it was, obviously he wasn't a stalker, but it was like, he's lent his voice to this. It's the Ole Anderson. Oh, Black Scorpion, I've, I've done it. <laughs> but yeah, Ole Anderson was a Black Scorpion, even though it was never him. You could you could do it. It was Bischoff in Aces and Eights, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and that's another thing as well. Somebody people have been, do this. People have been ripping this storyline for, oh, it's giving Black Scorpion. Yeah. What do we need now? A modulated voice effect? Aye. It's like, what? Like, come on. What are you doing here? I'm just waiting for somebody to do it. Like, reverse that sound or have, have whatever magic you do to make it. I want to hear who's doing the voice. If only, like, if it's not... That'd be a decoy. Well, it will be. I just want to hear whoever that is. Yeah. You've got a good evil laugh on you. We need, <laughs> we need you for the devil. Cram a river. <laughs> Imagine that. Glass. <laughs> there it is. I, uh, hope, I hope it is Jack Perry, man. It'll be funny. I, uh, myself and Andy Murray would talk about this other deaths this morning. I, like, I would be fine with Jack Perry. Method, innit? But um, him and the Young Bucks. He's telling me about the like, trademark killing the business or something? Yeah. Like, KTB. Stable. Yeah. Bad, bad guys. <laughs> the baddest guys. Cali Click. Cali Click. That's what they should be called. Cali Dicks. Cali Dicks. Uh, Samojo comes out, though, after all this, whilst they're all like, whoa, what was that? Samojo comes out. <laughs> uh, he says, hey, calm down, guys, because they're all looking a bit worried because they've got 
like one good leg between them, basically. And he says, don't worry, it's about time for a celebration. No need to worry, you're still champion MJF. Uh, you know, you, you won the title in the main event, and earlier on in the night, you made the right choice, came out with me, uh, and all it took you was a, was a title shot. So I'm just com- coming out to make sure that honourable men honour their deals. And uh, MJF's like, oh, stinky breath. Um, thought about the deal. Blow me. <laughs> Joe obviously grabs him at this, and Cole yells, stop. Just let me have a quick word with Max. That I've been choked out by Joe more times than I can count. You can't do this, Max. You, that's exactly what the old MJF would say. Uh, and my best friend is a man of his word. I get it. Joe's a killer. Um, this crowd doesn't love you because you're a jerk. They love you, when you because when you say something will happen, it happens. You promised Joe a title shot. Be a man of your word. There's a, he's our scumbag chant. Uh, and MJF says... <laughs> I'll be the first ROH legend I beat here in Chicago twice. Oh, God, he got a little glimpse of that MGF, and I thought yeah. it was electrifying. Mm-hmm. So he says, how about it? You and me, let's have a bare knuckle fight right now. And uh, Joe says, absolutely not. I know exactly what will happen. You'll bitch and you'll complain. Oh, I wasn't 100% boo-hoo-hoo. Uh, no, I want the best version of MJF. I want MJF at world's end. And MJF's like, just let me get this straight. You want to fight me in Jersey? And uh, Joe says, yep. MJF says it's on, they shake, and he says, I want to explain. Jersey? Hmm? Your best friend will not be happy. Sorry, not Jersey. What am I talking about? Long Island. You uh, will not be happy with that. Uh, he says it's, it's about as bright a fight in me in, in Long Island. Slip. Right, right. As, uh, as copping head from an alligator. But based on the way you're looking these days, you don't have many options. Uh, and uh, Joe says, look, I'm great at picking fights too. You're worrying about the devil. Don't worry anymore. You're now my property. When it <laughs> comes to my property, people don't touch it. Uh, I'll be right behind you. I'll make it sure you make it there 100%. And I'm going to beat you mercilessly in front of your friends, family, and everyone you know and take it all from you. Pros and cons here. Cons. Uh, the devil's lamer than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, another con is that using my... Brain. (laughs) I'm still, like, a little bit rough, I think. (laughs) Remember when Wardlow and Samoa Joe demonstrated anti-chemistry late last year and early this? I think the idea is Wardlow's going to go after MGF soon, and Joe's going to stop him, leading to either Wardlow versus Joe again, can't be arsed with that, or a three-way at World's End. Why would you go back to that? It didn't do anything for Wardlow at all. Imagine turning him heel after you kind of had to, then just to do the Joe stuff again. I don't... But that was the implication, that Wardlow yep. and Joe are getting drawn together in this narrative, and I want them far apart because they had knee chemistry at all. So that's a weird choice, if it indeed is the choice. Um, can't, uh, pros, um, MGF's blew me, and MGF's... Basically telling Chicago, well, check his time on his watch <laughs> and uh, saying to the Chicago crowd, <laughs> Yeah, with that CM Punk line was just lovely, wasn't it? A glimpse of the man I know MGF can be. I, he's so incredible when he's on form. And this is him sort of channeling that magic. So a lot of time for everything after that stupid lights out devil laughter stuff. Mm. And, you know, Cole is basically at this point using the kind of way in which he would communicate with MGF. 
uh, saying the exact same words for an entirely different and potentially sinister motive. So I thought if you like that story, and I'm not that big on it personally, but if you liked it, they advanced it in mm. a pretty nifty way. I like that story, and I thought they advanced it <laughs> in a pretty nifty way. <laughs> because I too thought the devil was kind of lame this week, but I still find myself having a gabbo curiosity. And the Adam Cole element, which had me so on the hook at full gear, was in play here. Um, I do love that thing that I was like kind of trying to, I wasn't defending it because a lot of people hated it and they're entitled to, but the acclaimed bit about... When Joe was got, amazing, I'm sorry as well. Joe was great, His yeah. delivery's class. When the acclaim got attacked and it's just like, I do genuinely think they're trying, I, think, I don't necessarily think it's working fabulously well, but they're trying to illustrate this point that MJF, by trying to be the good guy, is basically blown up in his face and he's going to, if and when he does become the worst version of himself, it's because there's objective evidence now that this was just the better way to go in his life. He's gotten close to people and look what's happening to them. I thought it was a nice, there was a bit of symbol, nice visual of that in the fact that there's him and Adam Cole, both in the ring, him with his cane, both of them carrying injuries. Like, this nice guy thing is getting me absolutely nowhere. <laughs> we're, we're just a wreck. My friends get beaten up and look at us, right? This is no good. And then the Adam Cole, t- like yet again, just like with the tag match, Adam Cole has kind of backed Samoa Joe this whole way. You should pick Joe to be your tag partner. You should give him his match. Like, what's going mm. on there? Like, the, um, there was a phrase in he used. It was something like, uh, like, that's not what my best friend would do. Who's his best? Like, that isn't, he's, what he's not necessarily saying there is, you're mm. my best friend. There's another best friend or whatever if it was another Roddy Strong thing played out later on. But what if there was, you know, a cool Kyle cool O'Reilly. Cool was what I thought about. I was immediately going back I'm just have anything to do with like Kyle O'Reilly getting injured and the run up, and I couldn't track anything, but mm-hmm. it had me thinking at least. Yeah, and I do think it's got like this feels on track, but I totally understand why people think it's just spiral too far out of control to draw back in. This was nice table setting, and the fact that you've got the match at World's End, I do feel like all of this was kicking off during the Jay White feud, and maybe that's why that got sacrificed a bit, mm. and maybe that's why it felt a bit scattershot for people. I thought genuinely the second half of this thing drew in a lot of that and focused it up a little bit. Yeah, and I think there was, there's going to be loads of stuff that if, for example, if it is coal, I think that's what the devil might well be eventually be revealed to be all a part of, like you say, with cool Kyle and whoever. Well, I thought, like, for the Young Bucks were involved and Perry, that like, was a super click, you know, there's a pre-existing relationship there, isn't there? Like the, 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 you know, the, the, the shot of having... MJF looking down the lens saying, no one's on the level of the devil. And then over his shoulder, there's Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. You know, all that, it, it, it's going to be intriguing to see how it plays out. Like you say, I can understand that some people are really invested in it and some other people are a bit like, eh, and I don't think, a, like you say, a modulated voice laughing would sway anyone <laughs> to go the, the right way in AEW's eyes, to be perfectly honest. No, maybe Ollie Anderson, but uh, <laughs> that's about it. Uh, right, then it was time for Cassidy Hook and Shibata against uh, Daddy Magic, Cool Hanange, and Jake Hager. Uh, but before the match, Cassidy's going to make the announcement he was going to make earlier. He's got a big Thanksgiving surprise. Dan Housen's back. He comes out and it, it kicks off Hook and Menard and Parker. Uh, Hager attacks Hook. Um, there's a Hager bomb out of the corner. We got a picture in picture. When we come back, uh, Hook manages to finally fight out. Overhead throw on Parker. Hot tag to Cassidy. He runs wild. Hager takes him with a uh, gets him with a takedown though. Stun dog millionaire from Cassidy. Shibata comes in and goes out with Jake Hager. Pump kick, but Hager comes back with a knee lift, misses a corner splash, uh, and then Shibata just chops the crap out of him. Stalling drop kick that brings in uh, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange. Uh, they want to do the triple power bomb, but Danhausen pops up on the apron. Uh, not only to potentially curse them, but he reveals he's got Hager's big purple hat. 
Uh, Hager goes out after him. He curses him. Cassidy um, hits a dive, and Hook and Shibata put on uh, rear naked and Red Roman rear naked chokes. Realize who's the legal people in here, and they switch. Everyone taps out, and uh, Shibata, Hook, and Cassidy get the win. If I attended the show live, and then the person I was with went outside, I would have went. Sure, this match was quite fun, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, and swapped them round and, you know, didn't matter which one because, you know, they're, they're, they're stooging heels and all the rest of it. And I was good when uh, Shibata ate that useless Jake Hager's kicks and just ate ate them and mm. won. It was, it was fine. <laughs> I, I surprised myself here, genuinely, because I was just watching it and I went, oh, I'll have to tell my uh, wife and kids that I'm dead. That's the end for me, I guess. And then, like, Danhausen came out and I was like, Oh, bloody hell. I didn't know that. I could still feel that. <laughs> I d- like, I was just really happy to see him, the little weirdo. Mm. And then, like, the same with the hat. Oh, He's pulled some lore out of his ass, or out of his jacket pocket, at least. And, like, this is this is dumb. Like, I want AEW to have this levity. It's just supposed to exist amidst like, the blood and thunder of 2021. Yeah. You, like, it, they need to hold on to this, because one day the train's going to get back on the tracks, and you can't just betray this kind of, like aloof, knowing comedy that you were really good at. Mm. Yeah. It's just a shame that, like, a lot of the show isn't really hitting or it's mid or the crowd's as dead as it was for the rest of the show because you find yourself leaning on it and you should never lean on the comedy. The comedy yeah. has a place. But, like, not the low, like, certainly not, like, Danhausen level knockabout fun stuff. But it should be here. And I was just, for this week and probably this week alone, ah, <laughs> that's nice. That's Ed, and like Danhausen's a frigging genius, and he's going to be, you know, those little figure, the Funko Pops. There's going to be purple hat Danhausen's, like getting sold out the back yeah. of his car, like within weeks. Like it's just he's a genius for making himself toyetic. Mm. I don't, don't like s- him to have gear that he's not supposed to either. Hey, it's all uh, man. It's a joke. We're joking. No, no, it's a, no, a really no, no. dumb rumor that he got a great bit of merch out of because yeah. that's what he does. I was no, it was nice. It was genuinely nice yeah. to see Danhausen back. I'll probably be over it next week. <laughs> I will be over it next week. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, Renee Paquette's backstage with Adam Cole. She wants to wish him a speedy recovery. He's looking forward to starting physical therapy. Proud of MJF for accepting the match. 
And then here comes Roderick Strong. Adam, where were you last week? Actually, Andretti dropped me on my head. Uh, and Cole just yells at him, shut up, get over it. We're no longer best friends. Back off, leave me alone. Strong looks heartbroken. The kingdom can't believe what he said. And he says, oh, he didn't mean it. I've got nothing to say. <laughs> I, I thought it was a development, you know. I wasn't huge on it either way, but I think that, again, it's just... To they're the, all development. To the, well, but sometimes they feel like they're not. And, like, the frigging peanut butter wasn't development, was it? No. What are we doing? Like, they're moving it on. I, but, like, like I... Um, something that was more than slow-motion peanut butter. <laughs> that as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most seminal wrestling thing I've ever seen in my life. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a 50-50 book in there. <laughs> Uh, they chill for all in at Wembley. Will Ospreay, et cetera, et cetera. Tickets on sale on Monday, I think. And then here comes Christian Cage with his family, Luchasaurus, Nick Wayne. Um, he's, just, he's just so captivated on the mic. Things didn't go our way at full gear, but everyone knows a true champion is gracious in victory and humble in defeat. Uh, but I can stand here and say, in all sincerity, I didn't lose. Um, Nick Wayne didn't lose either. It's this bloody loser here, Luchasaurus, it's his fault. This is unacceptable. Um, how do I get <laughs> how do I get rid of the stench of loser? He says. And it hit me. Um, both these guys' lives have benefited since being associated with me. Of course, um, they're both my children, so I'm going to recreate them in my own image. The idea of Luchasaurus being Christian Cage's child <laughs> is really funny. Uh, and he says, "Right, Luchasaurus, take a knee." Uh, Luchasaurus is a bit hesitant to just go down to one knee because Christian Cage has told him to. And so he screams at him for being a moron and says, take a knee, idiot. Um, uh, the name Luchasaurus will forever be associated with being a loser. <laughs> so I've come up with a name of strength, a name of toughness, and something that served me well. You are my finisher. Uh, I think he said this Saturday you will have the chance to deserve it. So he's going to do something on collision, of course, uh, or is Rampage on Saturday? Yeah, they're doing... That was smart, isn't it? They're going up against Survivor Series. That'll go well. Um, <laughs> That's not their idea. Uh, he says... There's one promotion that yeah. counter-programs, and you know damn well who it is. Yeah. He ain't wrong. And worked, worked by this absolute fraud. Uh, but he's going to be called... He's going to be called Kill Switch. Uh, now... Oh, oh, Kill Switch Engage. <laughs> huh? Huh? Um, he says Nick's name, and Nick immediately drops to a knee. He's like, ah, you never have to get on, don't have to get on your knees. Don't worry about it. Never do that, that. That was that the was nice. really good bit yeah. about the segment. You're different. You're special, he says. As Kill Switch is still there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're the son I always wanted, and now I have. You're my golden boy. Uh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you will be forever. In a way. You will forever be known as the prodigy Nick Wayne. Uh, and this brings out Nick's mom. Uh, she enters the ring and she begs her son again to not be associated with this bell end. Cage is like, why are you here? Uh, <laughs> what are you doing here? You're a terrible mother. Um, maybe you love Nick, but that's not enough. You only made 40k a year being a waitress. You can't provide for him. I'm a legend. I'm a champion. He said this, not me. It's a good thing your husband's dead because Nick would have left his father anyway because his father was never as good a wrestler as I am. <laughs> But he was, oh, yeah. but he was not near the man or father that, that I am. Uh, do me a favor, get the hell out of my ring, go and punch your card for your shift of Denny's and get out. <laughs> this Luchasaurus has had, well, Kill Switch, I suppose, technically, has had enough here. And he gets in between Cage and uh, Nick's Moine. Uh, he's like, <laughs> he's like, get on your knees. Luchasaurus shakes his head, 
Uh, Cage slaps him. Luchas Shores is furious. Killswitch is furious. Uh, and Cage says, get on your knees or I'll show the world your stupid face. And uh, he shoves Luchasaurus, who bumps... Handsome, though, isn't he? Hmm? Quite handsome, isn't he? Yeah, he was on Big Brother, wasn't he? And in NXT. Huh? Yes. Austin, something or other. Uh, so he shoves Luchasaurus, who stumbles back into uh, Nick Wayne's warm. Um, she collapses. <laughs> Nick isn't sure what to do. Uh, so he oh tells... Oh, my God, weren't that band called the Fountains of Wayne? Fountains of Wayne. Fountains of... No, Stacey's Moan. Yeah. Nick Wayne's Moan. Nick Wayne's Moan. Fountains of Wayne. It all ties together. Um, so Nick <laughs> goes out, gets chairs from under the apron to set up for a concerto on his own mother. Cage is going to do it, and he's like, uh, actually, I'm going to get the dinosaur to do it. Uh, do it, do it now. Be the kill switch. Um, he's not doesn't really want to do it. Sets up to do it, but just in the nick of time, here comes Adam Copeland. Slides in, spear to Nick, big kick to Lucha. Cage slides in. Copeland's already there waiting for him, though. Um, and uh, before Adam Copeland gets to him, though, kill switch pulls um, Christian Cage out of the ring. So Copeland just turns around, hits Nick with another spear, um, and then sets up whilst his mom's just watching. Um, whilst Cage also screams, that's my child, he concertos <laughs> the prodigy. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I kind of hated this a great deal towards the end. The whole Christian Cage is so great. The You don't have to stand up, son. <laughs> not, not like that loser. <laughs> Great, like really genuinely funny. And then it just went off the rails as soon as the mother came out. Like, it's it's one thing, right, for these characters, and it's very exaggerated. It's like a really twisted, stupid soap opera that is so, like, black comedy and, like, so kind of preposterous that Nick Wayne would, like, just stand there with his mom as that. It, like, this situation, right, is really, really funny for these characters, right? Under the AW banner and what that promotion and the values it should, it's stupid, absolutely stupid. The the amount of times those commentators were phoning it in, not believing what they were saying, someone should come out here. Someone should come out here. Like three minutes later, (laughs) someone should be out here, guys. This cannot go on. Like, if a civilian, which is what, um... And Nick wins more. Is, right, a civilian is about to get their neck broken in the middle of an AEW ring, right? This is when we talk, what we talk about when we talk about AEW versus WWE. Mm-hmm. WWE, for better or worse, better, worse. It's this fantastical <laughs> company yeah. um, where, you know, it doesn't really, it's not real, is it? No. Increasingly, it's, it's, it's a show about wrestling yes. rather than a wrestling show. Yes, increasingly, not so much, but yeah. whatever. The idea that Tony Khan or someone in management who f- reports directly to Tony Khan wouldn't say, security, now, 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 is ridiculous. And the fact that they didn't immediately rush to that ring, just underscore this entire thing, is fake and stupid. It's one thing for it to be fun and a bit daft and a bit theatrical, like the twisted soap opera that they are telling. Like, those characters can live in those lives and in those portrayals, but the company, the promotion, should not let a civilian Mm. face a broken neck for three minutes before Copeland 
conveniently arrives. It was just so unbelievably stupid, and I started to... I, I'm already a little bit off-put by their jokey, in-jokey chemistry at that booth. But when they start, like, really insulting my intelligence and going, oh, someone should come out here, someone should come out here, like, you're, you're literally taking the piss, and this feels like such a stupid fake scene. And that's the worst thing. This is already very precarious. It's already only working through the strength of the Christian Cage character. Like, how ridiculous the premise is. It's just in that sweet spot of, oh, it's ridiculous, but it's so blackly comedic that I'll go with it. The, the promotion, not intervening immediately. It's like, well, it's just fake shit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> There's that great um, Simpsons joke where it's set in the near enough future that you can still recognize everything. I think it might be for Lisa's wedding. And Marge says, like, Fox turned into a 24-hour hardcore pornography channel, so gradually nobody noticed. Yes. The company, capital T, capital C, AW, turned heel, so gradually nobody yeah. noticed. That I think about, like, the Jay White sent the Bullet Club out to injure MJF, and his punishment was to be rewarded with the AW world title. <laughs> yes. that, like, that would have been massive Red X in 2019. Not in a billion years. You know, you could have had the Dark Order doing what they were doing. You still wouldn't have had something like that. And it's just it's just sort of occurred now. And like you say, it's in the ring. It's taken a frigging long time. And nobody's doing out. And Taz is going, oh, dangerous situation, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> like, <he's> just, <laughs> all right. Civilian broken neck, Jones. <laughs> like, um, uh, pros and cons, this. Uh, <laughs> Christian had his moments. The kill switch stuff is good. Uh, the name change is welcome. It actually opens up a door for them to get out of the Luchasaurus gimmick one of these days yeah. if they ever need to, which is nice for him uh, to be able to move forward once this gimmick has outlived its usefulness. And, like, of all things, a Kane run has given it this last lease on life. But it worked the first time with Kane when he, like, was. I'm thinking of him with X-Pac, you know, like, be the good guy rather than be the bad one and just, it'll happen, it'll be fine. Uh, I don't love... Vampiro himself, Adam Copeland. Like, oh, I really want to save her, but I, uh, she's going to get her neck broken. Oh, no, right now I'll go save her. Yeah. Like the, that felt off and weird. And it's it's, it's only heroic as well. No, <laughs> it's just like Edge in AW. This storyline, the jury still feels out on whether or not it's working all that well. Sige made the point a few weeks ago. It wasn't about this angle, but we come into uh, like we encounter this problem quite a lot, where like. We review something based on A, what we're watching, and B, what we think might happen with the characters that we're watching do something else this week. A few weeks ago, when Edge was like, oh, Adam, oh sorry, Adam Copeland, Adam Copeland, Adam Copeland, said, I'm, I know what he's like, I'm just not going to fight him. Two weeks later, well, I guess it's a six-minute pay-per-view. Like, <laughs> well, that pivoted pretty quickly. So that, like, I felt a little bit undone by yeah. that, because I thought this is going to really drag out, and it's gonna, they're going to make you care. So I've already lost that, so I've lost a bit of faith in it. I think what here was, was for... All right, Adam, you've gone a bit far there, and in front of yeah, and in front of what's her name? Uh, Nick Wayne's mom. She's going to join Christian, and it's going to be your fault. Yeah, there's a she's going to turn. It's going to be your fault. Now, I want to project that off what we saw here. If she doesn't, this is preposterous. Yeah, she's just almost shoot killed your kid, and you've like gone, yeah, get him, Adam. Like I was conflicted by parts. Like, what did he do that for in front of her? Well, to send her into Christian's arms, I think. Yes, but that's stupid. He's let his emotions get the better of him, and he's not realised the bigger picture. is, oh, God, she's going to think I'm an even bigger arsehole, and now I've just driven her into my worst enemy. Yeah. I have like, he's not a pretty good guy, if that is his instinct, <laughs> is to yeah, yeah, try yeah. and break a son's neck in front of his... Uh, and why? You know what I mean? It's to, a, to, it's, to make a point. It's a silly 
angle. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was bits I really liked. Like the bit where Luchasaurus went, no, that's, you're right, you've gone too far now. I, lo- I loved that. And then I was like, oh, so you've made your choice. That's the line. You're not crossing it. And now you're suddenly like, well, if you say concerto, uh, all right. But I'm willing to play. Like, there's lots of this like I had issues with, but I'm in- intrigued enough to let it play out. That's it. But it's like we're reviewing what we think might happen yeah. rather than what we just saw. It's a tricky I balance to strike. I find it quite funny when Nick Wayne was trying not to corpse. That was quite <laughs> good early on. Because I would if Christian Cage was being Christian Cage right in front of me. Yeah. But yeah, I, <laughs> I do like the idea of like, well, um, you know, she said, she's like, this isn't this isn't my son anymore. So in, in Adam Copeland's mind, it's like, well, kill him then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not, oh, he's, he's gone down a wrong path. And we can, we'll have, you know, it'll take a while. We'll have to do, you know, do some real therapy with this. But it will kill him. Or is it in his Sting, mind? Sting would never. Is he like, Yeah, I know, I know. Well, we kind of promised the fans a concerto, so someone's going to have to get it. <laughs> it's not going to be you, obviously. Chekhov's concerto. Yeah, is yeah. It? Don't, introduce, don't introduce two chairs if you're not going to concerto anyone, so probably should do it to your son then, if anything. But yeah, I, I do think she's going to go to the JT. Yeah. Are we going to have a wedding? Oh, my God. Smash the button. Oh, my God. Christian marrying Nick Wayne's mom. That's so actually Christian marrying who? Uh, Nick Wayne's wine. Correct. And Killswitch is going to be the official for it, the officiant or whatever it is. Like if, if Nick Wayne's a page boy, like, I think this might be the best angle in wrestling, actually. I've changed my mind. It's like a sleeveless tuxedo. It's, it's with bad. It's up. bad that you think that, though. Yeah, if you had the, so what, the efficient NXT would, boy. The efficient would have the dog collar, but as a turtleneck as well. Yeah. 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 I'm into it. Who would Christian Cage's best man be if not Copeland then? Ooh. It's time to play the game! It's time to play, time the, to play the game! game. <laughs> 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 Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Who was Christian Cage's best man? Tom Cole, maybe. Amazing! Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Tom Cole, give me a ring. And it's like, No. I left it backstage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, like, Tomko a bad guy now? I don't know. I don't know anything about Tomko. Just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sit, uh, two words. Matt freaking Hardy. <laughs> and then just like, him? Well, he's, pick, he's picked you. What did I ever do to you, Matt? <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry about that. It could be good use of him. Um, the first time Daniel Garcia. <laughs> and, and, and now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the wedding band, Perox Whitechin. Are you made a waste now? Darkness with your mom. Yeah, with <laughs> darkness <laughs> with you. Gonna make it to the top of your fing mother. <laughs> oh, we fixed it. There you go, Tony. <laughs> uh, Daddy Magic's pissed. What's going on? I don't know. Miserable <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Cheer up and be your best self. Hague uh, is not happy about Dan Housen having his hat. Adam Jay's like, you do know I've got a match tonight, don't you? This is meant to be about me. I'm tired of losing, tired of the infighting, tired of all you bloody losers. Are you helping me? You're hurting me. I'm, I'm They're hurting you. <laughs> but uh, then uh, Cool Hand Ange gets a phone call and it's Ruby Soho. I love how it's just like... The Jericho Appreciation Society. Right. Jericho just left them high and dry. <laughs> yeah, you got high, you got dry. Get out of here. Go on. Get out pathetic, of here. isn't it? The pathetic. Get out of here. Go. <laughs> and, um, I thought you were doing the that bloke you were showing me the other day where he tries to be really hard. 
How could you? Not anymore. <laughs> Not sad. Dennis Reynolds when like they're in the storm in the supermarket. Yeah. Get out of here. Go. Um, nah, this is uh, like what are you still doing? Just go your separate ways. No, I mean, just stop doing this. Uh, Jericho's left you high and dry. Reevaluate your life. Just think, all oh, right, okay, well, the only reason we existed was to placate that man's rampant ego. He no longer wants us around. But, guys, we've, uh, we've forged such a strong, <laughs> credible friendship along the way that we should probably stay together. Suck my gag. Don't suck my gag. Get this off television. Now. I had some thoughts on something for the triple threat, or the three-way women's okay. match in a bit. Yeah. I wonder where that's going to come on this show. Uh, all I was watching that match, by the way, and all I could hear was your, not even the song, your little catchphrase that you used to drop, which was incredibly applicable regarding... I've got... I've got I've, what what bit? I've got several now. When the uh, women come out to play, <laughs> when the women can out to play, the men ain't too far away. I was looking at that. Yeah. Was clock that is the AEW booking ethos. The contents <laughs> were even like apologising. Don't worry, it'll be over soon. We've probably got an overrun. <laughs> you don't have to put. We should have logged every single thing that lasted more than two or three weeks. You know, yeah. it's probably just like amazing bits <laughs> lost to the sands of time. Almost oh, lost that one. Yeah. Uh, catch it quick. <laughs> <laughs> J-Y. Uh, oh, new bit. Catching things you love. <laughs> like Dan Housen with his hat. Remember this? <laughs> I found the clip of the live show. That's like. basically what it is. He picked up an old bit. Higgy, you had one bit ever. I've got it. Yeah. In lucky arm back. Jay Watt versus Roosh. Next match in the Continental Classic. I don't know why, but I found it weirdly entertaining. The guns were like, what do you mean we're not allowed ringside? It's like one of the few things that's been front and center when they announced this tournament. Uh, so JY is JY. He takes punishment early on. He goes, hang on, I need a second to work. That's what's going on here. So he goes to the outside. Uh, no, 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 no. Rush goes after him, hoys him into the railing. Uh, I did like the new version of Rush that goes and then gets the cable cord. It's like, I'm going to do it. And the ref's like, you're going to be DQ'd. I'm going to, I'm going to DQ you. Yeah, but that should have happened four years ago. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. It's yeah. the same thing as the guns going, what do you mean you're not allowed to ring? So he's like, what do you mean I'm allowed to chuck him? I don't mind. Cord. I do not mind the ECW adjacent officiating in AEW in general. It's fine. The whole idea was we give our wrestlers a lot of latitude. It's fine. It's what they've decided to do and it's consistent. Now it's not. Do you remember that week that they went... That's it now. Aye, Paul Turner, bad man. It was like, of all people, it was like Eddie Kingston had got a decision reversed. Uh, nah. <laughs> we need to stop that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think he's trouble, actually. <laughs> uh, it's the company turning heel, isn't it? These things that are like, yeah. why him? Why are you punishing him? Yeah. So Roosh goes to do his, uh, his bit in the corner, kicks him, poses. That takes us to a break. We come back. Jay White's in control, but Roosh comes back. Flying forearm, three amigos. Um, misses a top rope sent on, though, so White hits a brain buster for an earfall. Uh, he does the uh, matador thing. Uh, back and back and forth with uh, Jay White. Uh, he targets the eyes. Um, pump knee from Roosh. Pump knee from Roosh. You're an argue for a two count. Uh, Roosh gets out of a Blade Runner, snap German, but uh, White hits him with a dragon, dragon screw. Roosh hits a Superman elbow, wants bullhorns, 
but White gets out of it. He's trying to get the Blade Runner. They almost take out the referee. And the referee is diverted so much that Jay White can hit a low blow on Roosh, hits the Blade Runner, and gets the 1-2-3. Uh, was this, like, just a bit good and not great? I nearly quit my job watching this. Oh, wow, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Jesus Christ, wait there. What? Uh-huh. Wait there. This is not the thing I expected because week before we recorded, Hamford yeah. said I had an exis- existential crisis moment yeah. uh, watching this. And I thought, all right, okay, well, you watched the semi-main just as I did. I thought this was, eh, it's good. It's nowhere near the standard I would expect when this is like that match graphic drop had the, ooh, these two this week. Yeah. Oh, I like the look of that. And then when it happened, it just kind of existed um, as the most kind of workmanlike version of itself. I didn't really get drawn into it. Um, I wasn't huge on it. I just thought, they're hitting each other quite hard, and Jay White, the character, is reacting in the way that Jay White, the character, would. And I was like watching Rush be hard, and then they have two or three minutes of the, the, the regulation back and forth that is professional wrestling today, and then it just ended with the cheating. It didn't do much for me. I didn't think it was actively that bad, though, Hamflet. I'm interested in this. Well, the low blow was quite nice because Jay White can't cheat with Bullet Club Gold. Mm-hmm. He's a good, from G1s, he's quite a good tournament heel. You know, yeah. this is what he'll do for the whole. He might actually uh, run the table and not win clean once because he's done that as well. And even though he can't have interference, he'll just keep finding ways. And that's a useful um, element to add back to Jay White's character when you basically shot him dead in the middle of the yeah. ring. And you put the heat yeah. on the character and not incompetent, officiating, exactly. Exactly. or like slipshod, like promoters who just let anyone and anyone at ringside, you know. That is a very recovered character if he makes it virtually all the way through at the end, having just managed to cheat through his, like, like his in-ring IQ being used for all the worst reasons. Mm-hmm. That's a nice character trait that Jay White has done so well with in the past. But I, just like about the halfway mark, I was just like, I was not sold this 33 and a half years ago when... Like Hulk Hogan stood against the Ultimate Warrior and my eyes were opened and head was blown clean off forever. I was not sold. Action, this bland, between one bad guy and one bad guy. He's kind of ostensibly a good guy now, but they weren't even really trying to out-cheat or out-wrestle each other. They were just doing neither mm. of either. I was so... Do you know, all I've kept really quiet about this. All this year, right, I've had to listen week after week after week to pundit, some of which I respect and some I have absolutely no time for, <laughs> make comparisons between AEW and WWE and use WWE as the stick to beat AEW with. When He's they, literally standing up for WWE. When they attack AEW's bad comedy mm. or skits or personas, they just don't like anymore because AEW makes me sad now. It's always like, oh, it's gone WWE adjacent. It f- wishes it was WWE adjacent because there's somebody asses in the seats, right? If it was WWE adjacent, it'd be good, but it's not, right? The comparisons are apt. No, they're absolutely not apt, right? And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because they were apt. Here, this was bang f***ing average two and three quarter star wrestling of which I tune in for every week on Raw and SmackDown (laughs) because I actually like the characters involved and care about the outcomes and the fans in the building are hot for it. This crowd were stone freezing cold for two characters. They couldn't give a toss. Not about according one. to my Twitter replies, they weren't. One of which they were basically told to be called for, like on Saturday. The booking was saying he's going all the way back. You might get a restart, but he's going all. He's not the guy. So they were instructed to be like, yeah, secondary figure, Roosh, just come back. Already kind of othered. 
by this match, this role, this booking. Didn't give a toss, right? I accept that some of the wrestling is not this peak tier when I tune into Raw and SmackDown, but as somebody that thinks wrestling is maybe second or third most important thing in a wrestling show, I'm all right with it, and I want to see characters that I care about, and I want to see stories develop and all that sort of stuff. Taste, everyone can have different tastes. That's not me casting aspersions. I just couldn't believe that this, of all things, was on this show, and yet I knew that when I had my first conversations of the day about AEW on X, it would be like, oh, bloody... MJF doing his stupid bits again or whatever. This is this is far worse. This is a far bigger crime for my money of what you're supposed to get out. If you're not doing, like, or if you're not chasing four or five stars in AEW, you're not all elite. You're not what it says on the marquee. And it's certainly part of what they promised in the very beginning. If you're not involved in a captivating story, of which was so crucial to AEW's early success, you don't belong. And I'm all for a bit of, like, Oh, who wants to get the win? Who wants to like not lose and points and mm-hmm. like the how the Continental Classic is going to make matches just matter for being matches. But the action's got to be better. It's got to be hotter and it's got to be better booked and to put the wrestlers. I'm not really even having to go at Roosh and Jay White here. The wrestlers no. have got to be put in so much a better situation to produce something that feels like it's chasing five stars and magic and all of it. I was so like just dejected with it. Mm-hmm. I just this was like my little. I this is finished and it's finished for years. This, I'll take. I watched this and thought, oh, God. Like, we, Roosh, we, we did you, that. Cannot, you cannot neuter Roosh. Like, it's like, he's, I'm, I, I'll be the first one to admit, like, I think he's had this reputation. Sometimes he's deserved it about, like, I got my deal. I'm going to kind of ease up a little bit now. He hasn't. Roosh has kicked ass yeah. this year. And then they've just backgrounded him. And then he's brought back to the foreground. And then he's just getting beaten in a nothing match again. Like, we did a podcast entitled Turning Point, is this the end for AEW? Mm-hmm. And this was the exact kind of vibe we said would linger. And I know it's not been that long since removed from recording that podcast, but that vibe lingers. Can it just whack? Even under the parameters of this tournament, which exists for this kind of match, mm. like, you kind of just... Like, the G1 didn't just have pretty middling year, and then you had all the great talent who didn't necessarily need... A great booker to get over in the context in the body of a match. Yeah. In, in this, it's not that like you need everything to make something like this happen. And I watched this thing, and yep, you cannot just this is a shortcut, maybe, but you can't just do this kind of match and expect people to go crazy for it. You can't. Wrestling alone didn't. has never saved wrestling. When it's in a pit, wrestling alone has never saved it ever. Like mm. North America, I don't want to speak, you know, for like the booms yeah, and busts of yeah, Japan. Yeah, yeah. In North America, it has never just been enough. Great wrestlers have, but them just doing quote unquote great wrestling matches haven't. But well, it's, I don't know, it's probably a wider debate, but I did have the feeling of, yep, this ain't shaking them. This is not shaking them out of the stupor that these fans are sat in right now. And between the opener, two heels having a match, the second match in the CC, which again I must say I expect to get very good. Same, same. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, they, they got the booking of this really wrong. Got it really wrong. Um, Roosh is a tweener. Never had the best. He was a real like since coming back, he's been more of a tweener. Um, prior to that, he was a heel who was just like really cool to watch and just so physical. Um, but he's still not a full, fully fledged baby face, right? The first two rounds, and this is like one of the worst things I could ever say about a professional wrestling promotion or tournament storyline, whatever. The first two fixtures in this Continental Classic were eerily reminiscent of Capital Wrestling Center. Yeah. NXT, yes. Yes. When it was just, vibe. no one cares. 
heel-leaning characters hitting each other really hard in soulless matches with a kind of a weird character dynamic that no one can get into. Um, very capital wrestling center. That's spot on, and it's why we were like, and I know it was because it was a bit fun as well, but it was like, let's go with 2.0. Burn that to the ground. Burn it to the ground, you know? This is not... People keep talking about, like, what's their AW? Page and Swerve felt like it was giving everybody it's this, and then you had this main event that a lot of people hated. I don't think that's the problem. I think this is the problem. So what you're saying is in 2024, we get AEW 2.0. Point- Oh, oh my God! Could you imagine the state of that? <sighs> Fixed it. Why are you watching it? Why are you watching it? So, um, <laughs> imagine that sort of full circle moment. Like WWE cynically try and fail. Like just Vince McMahon just like cashes in Triple H's NXT to try and stop AEW, and he can't. And then like AEW becomes NXT 2.0 <laughs> with all these like mafia characters and all these like preposterous like second job wrestlers. And like Shawn Mike's is like, well, this happened. <laughs> <laughs> Taking on my best ideas. <laughs> I'm going to have to make my wrestlers wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, we see um, Ricky Starks and Big Bill going after Chris Jericho after the media scrum. He slammed a crate into his injured arm. Uh, and then RJ City and Renee are on the top of the ramp. Um, they've got a presentation to do. And the AW Women's World Championship goes to Timeless Tony Storm. And it's black and white. She's in the crowd. And she walks up and she falls over. Jennifer Lawrence at the Oscars or whatever. Uh, and she's she's there to collect her title, and Mariah May brings it out for her. All about Eve. So hang on, you got a wacky character doing a dated reference, mm-hmm. and it's not WWE Hamlet. <laughs> yeah, they pulled it back a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so off. She puts some glasses on. She says, "Oh, I've got nothing prepared." And obviously, speech. She pulls out an actual speech. Um, there were some what chants here, but she wants to thank uh, Mr. Anthony Khan. That's not his name. No, but it is. Um, is it her? They try to play her off. She's not dumb. Jack Warner, uh, women locker room. Little Tony Storms, you want to be here. This is her spotlight. You'll never take it. Stay in school. And there's like some standing ovation flashing on the screen. Um, but she's interrupted by Sky Blues Music, who walks past her and she's fuming that she's been in- interrupted like this. I did say she would fail upwards, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Sky Blue. Mm-hmm. I did tell. I, I don't get everything right, but you know. They've, we should have thought about it. They've got a bit of lore this year as well. Yeah. A few times where Tony Storm's been specifically targeting Sky Blue as a bit of like a bully character. Yeah. In, in their matches they've had. So that's, uh, this was significantly less than ideal. Again, on virtually every conceivable level. Like it was bad comedy, dated references. Like, just the worst, you know, wrestling is just a wash with just plagiarists and topical yeah. references. And uh, uh, television is the devil. Well done, Roddy. It's from 1998. <laughs> and uh, this, like, Jennifer Lawrence thing. When did she slip up at the Oscars? <sighs> what, 2015? Aye. Just uh, a whole load of absolute rubbish. Uh, the comedy wasn't funny at all. The black and white continues to just be this, in my opinion, quite lame production choice. Even if it's got this motivation from Tony Storm where it's like, I insist upon being filmed in black and white. Why? 2013. Amazing. Um, And then as well, right, the idea of AEW going, right, how long has a woman been on screen in a skit? About two minutes? Boom, right, get this. That's kind of how they operate usually. It's not like a comedy bit. Like yeah, play her off. I never thought of that, but yeah. Play her off. She's like, oh, well, let me play it off. It's like, well, you bloody will, because you identify as a woman. So, yeah. <laughs> I, there was one, disagree with Cedric, there was one joke that actually made me laugh in this. I like, pros and cons. 
a week. <laughs> like, Hikaru Shida, Anthony Khan, not funny. Thanking Jack Warner, yes. the founder of WB, who died in, like, 1978, I think it's quite a nice <laughs> joke, like, the considering that, like, of all the people, yeah, like, we sort of... We reference it's almost referencing Ted Turner, but he's too wrestling. Yeah, so they've gone even further back. I thought that was quite a nice touch. I just, I don't know. I feel like some weeks this character still hits a bit, mm. and they make it make sense within this universe. And this was one for me. What do you like, think of the what chance Andy and I talked about it on the news today? I like the worst case scenario. Yeah, that like so in that sense, you know, I'm subjectively considering myself wrong, but. I never really like to shoot on the fans for it. It's an annoying. I do. Chance. I do. I get the what. I do get the annoyance, but I think in general, whether it's indifference, whether it's booze or whatsoever, if hijacking as it became known in WWE because they didn't like a product, people have paid and you're the show, mm. so they've paid to watch that and be the show. I want to clarify something just quickly as well because people were saying on the news. I think they assumed that we were saying, well, WWE doesn't get what chance anymore. It's only now it's AEW getting it. They still do. Obviously, the majority of people who would hijack WWE just moved. You've talked about this a million times. Just went somewhere else, whether it be AEW or MLW or New Japan or wherever else. They would literally watch chance on SmackDown yeah. for the for Santos's mm-hmm. speech and what have you. So I'm not we weren't saying that, but anyway, you you I broadly agree with what you are saying. We've touched upon this mm. so often on this podcast. If you've got a rubbish crowd, rubbish crowd, it's very, very, very rarely an anomaly, a quirk of a certain market. And even that got disproved the first time Dynamite hit Pittsburgh. Yep. Right. Towels. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. yeah. yeah. They used to hate doing Oh. Terrible towels. Terrible towels. It's like a, a quirk of a certain market. I think um, Pittsburgh and Long Island have those reputations. It's just being like just a naturally not particularly raucous crowd. Um, sometimes you get just a really good show comes to town, and for whatever reason, that crowd is just not great. It, we're talking pretty like it's an anomaly. It really is an anomaly, I think. And I genuinely think that the volume of these. Arenas AEW is playing is directly influenced by the fact that the product just isn't hitting the mm. way it used to be. There is a correlation there, and the crowd shouldn't be blamed for it. The promotion should. Mm. That is my broad stance on the. Oh, the crowd is rubbish. No, no, no across no. all wrestling. Yeah, across yeah. all of professional wrestling. That is my broad stance. Mm-hmm. Always will be. I've always said it. It always will be. That said, like you know, in the Premier League. When you just like are a fan and you run into the pitch, right? Instant ban. Mm-hmm. You could do a helicopter with your penis. That happened. Instant ban, mm. right? If you are caught at a professional wrestling show, I forgot, I forgot I did that. Yeah. yeah. If you are caught, <laughs> he's losing it. Yeah. If you one of yours. I was right, of course. Of course, it was a Newcastle fan who did it. (laughs) Of course, it was. If you are caught (laughs) red-handed at a professional wrestling show in 2023, committing the crime that is a water chance, I think it might be the most like horrific noise to hear you know when everyone's got like a noise that just sets them off and yeah. makes them shiver and just cringe like um like feedback like really loud yeah. in the ear or you know literally any noise that my mobile phone makes that like, isn't a text message or you know like <laughs> everyone's got like a baby crying or whatever yeah. 
the watch chant, right, is so fundamentally obnoxious that you can pretty much determine the character of a human being who does it, mm. and you just know they're bad. They are bad news, bad egg, bad apple. That's fair, actually. And they should. I can visualize it now in a building. And oh, come on, lifetime, come li- on. lifetime, yeah. lifetime arena ban. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not being facetious. This might scan as like a bit that I'm doing. Right, I'm being 100 percent earnest, serious. That watch and in 2023, like it would. It's not like a fun thing to do. It's the most obnoxious noise. You know what you are doing. Yeah. It's lifetime arena ban for people doing that. Because, like, you've been in, we've all been to wrestling shows where it's not as hot as you would like, and you just sort of sat there, and it's that in itself is quite gloomy, isn't it? The yeah. talent or whatever, they know that just people are not having a very good time. If you are just, like, barking effectively, nah, every few, waiting for a gap in air to do it. You're not active listening, you're just waiting for a gap to go, nah. It's that. It, the worst, it's the it? thing. It's like it'll set the tone as well. If people start getting ejected from these arenas and getting banned <laughs> from them, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. One exception. When Vince was like, come on, clean slate, guys. Just tell him he's a Just go Just do that instead. Steve Austin's not going to sell as many of those shits. If you impose, right, and adhere to a lifetime arena ban for anyone caught doing a what chant, right, then everyone will probably stop doing it. It'll improve people's, uh, you know, when we talk about American TV shows, they've not got very good manners. Yes. Like, I don't believe that about the actual American people. I just think on those TV shows, when I just, like, put the phone down without saying goodbye. Terrible phone etiquette. It's one of those guys, like, with a hot dog, a beer, beer here. One of those awesome guys that throw the beer, and, uh, like, you just say, oh, what beers have you got? And he, uh, he says, oh, and you go, what? Like, no, pardon. Pardon, yes. That's the people are going to have to protect themselves from... You know what the worst thing is? What's that? Eh? Oh, I cannot tell you how much. So, eh? Eh? I'm trying to start a fight with you. It's like, eh? Honestly, man, eh, execution. <laughs> Lifetime ban, execution. I think the thing is, I think the central point to take away from this is look, WWE lets their fans down, AEW lets their fans down, but I tell you, you don't, don't let their fans down, and that's the World Culture Wrestling Podcast. Uh, sincere apologies and commiserations to one Jed Brown. Yes. We had yeah. the, the big live show this week. It was fantastic. Thanks again to everyone who came along, and hopefully it's the first of many. We loved it, and it was so nice to meet you all. Incredible. But Jed um, was going to come to the show. It was coming from Preston, and his car broke down on the way. Unable oh. to get alternative transport. So attempted, still, I oh, just abandoned that. How far is it to walk now to Newcastle? Um, Jed, don't worry. Thank you so much. You don't need to apologize or anything like that. And uh, he actually was going to ask a question at the Q&A. So I thought it was a nice gesture. We could at least answer it for mm-hmm. him now. Yes. Um, Jed says, what is Tony Khan's and Triple H's best booking moment? Apologies, enjoy the night. No need to apologize, Jed, whatsoever. Thank you for, for atten- or at least attempting to attend. And uh, yeah, there'll hopefully be more, more opportunities going forward. I'll take trip, uh, Tony Khan, you take Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, get in with that. Uh, his best booking moment when you realize what this, like literally, professional wrestling's one perfect shot moment said about the characters, summed up the events of where they were at the time and what it led to and what happened between 
the moment and what it led to. It's Hangman Page in the tunnel when the Elite are celebrating, respectively, their World Tag Team title win over FTR mm -hmm. and the fact that they are now, through winning the tournament, the number one contender to the World title. You've got the Elite just being Elite, winning big ones. Hangman Page at a physical remove from the Elite with that, like, genuinely cinematography. And mm. that's what it is, right? When it's just lurking in that tunnel, do I come out? Like, I've kind of betrayed them, and they probably think I'm lower than sh And you know what? I felt this way from the start, so they're right. And he's just at his most anxious millennial cowboy. And then to either get or hold on to the singles and tag team world championships, the elite turn bad. Don Callis, that carny bastard, gets his claws in. He um, has this agreement with Omega, which they hid brilliantly in plain sight, to book John Moxley over. The books are initially like, come on, Kenny, what the hell are you doing? Before Callis is like, you know, if you want to keep these things, I wish they'd drilled this more. I think it was um, Phoenix had just beaten Matt Jackson when Callis was like, oh, remember when Callis was like, oh, the books, you're not what you were. Yeah. It's like they're the, the, the tag team champions. <laughs> but if he had just said the line, because it was true, you know, you, you slip and you've just lost a singles match. If you want to really be at this for the longest time, you need my counsel or whatever. So then as Hangman Page with these devastating dips in form just to prolong the magic, and not pat it out, but prolong it, goes all the way to full gear in the end. In the meantime... You have these incredible world tag team title pictures driven by the heat that the books are getting. Do you strap up Jurassic Express or Lucha Brothers? Like, what do you do? Like, everyone wants everyone to be the books. What do you do with um, Kenny Omega? Well, you do Christian Cage. You can do Pac, Orange Cassidy, um, Matt Seidel on TV. Like, you can just be everyone. And, like, these scenes, these divisions are perfectly served all deftly dovetailed. I've missed saying those words. Yes, I have. And then you eventually, one month later, uh, one year later, you get to the big emotional crescendo of all of AEW's deft dovetailing narratives and the main character wins. And it all starts from that one perfect shot. So sorry you couldn't come. Um, hopefully there'll be a next time. God, those words were so, like, passionate and insightful. I could probably take about 120,000 of those did you? Yeah, especially because I've just uh, moved house. All right, where to? The world. <gasps> that means Amazon delivers there. Yep. And, uh, 120,000. Ideally passionate insightful. And it both combined. Yeah. Well, you can order 120,000 passionate and insightful words in my book all about the air uh, formation and indeed rise of AEW called Becoming All Elite, the rise of AEW. What's that doing in the book hole? Well, the book hole, which came to the live show as well. It, it travels. Triple H's best booking? Quite recent, this one. Um, as much as I should, I would like to lean on NXT because it was just kind of saved my fandom. Like, it was his money-losing vanity project where I had all opportunities in the world to get a load of stuff right and had the worst comparison of all time in terms of the main roster. When he took over from Vincent Mann in mid-2022, he took on the good and the bad. And as a result, for my money, wasn't getting any credit and certainly not any of the credit he might have deserved for the success of the bloodline because it was so known that Paul Heyman and Roman yeah, Reigns yeah. were at the heart of it. But 
By January 2023, it was that Rumble at WrestleMania run. Everything had its start, slotting into place for what we thought was going to be Cody Rhodes' big moment. And at least we got all the way to the very end of that before it didn't happen. Yeah, that's, that's probably his best booking moment for me. And the Rumble and everything that played out at the Rumble, which I think will be held dear to so many people, yeah. all the visuals, that perfect sports entertainment theatre, I think the way all of that played out at the Rumble, could have happened without the magic of the Tribal Corp on Raw is Triple X. And WWE... Of like, I've always seen this uh, being used to stick to beat WWE with. I think it's a credit to it. It is more about moments, capital M, than matches because when the good ones hit, they're kind of just like nothing else. And Jey Uso putting his arm oh. in the way of Solo Sokoa out of our shot, the viewer, but putting his arm in the way at the last second before Roman, who has just washed his hands of Sami Zayn, the kind of thing that we were dreading him doing, but also wanted him to because you wanted Sami to be free. WWE rarely dabbles in that kind of grey area. It's like, oh, God, he's going to kill it. Please don't kill him. And then Jey Uso, the one who has been sick to the back arse of Sammy all this time, is the one that finally sees clearly and realises that Jimmy, his brother, has been right all along and Sammy's doing right by the bloodline. It was Jay's sort of first reveal that he too was going to be brave enough one day to stand up to Roman Reigns if today was not that day. It was stunning and it fed immediately into that. Just like unbelievably gripping tag match where Sammy had to take the place and be an honorary oos for the night to help defend the titles. It was like, it was a perfect half an hour of WWE tell It's pretty much why I love WWE over a half an hour period. He like, he nailed that set up the rumble stunningly, but, and I know why people go for the rumble, but that's the way it's up there as one of my favorite moments of this year as well. Great question, Jed. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Jed. That. Sorry, Sorry you couldn't, couldn't make it. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, Jed, let us get back in touch. Let us know your address and uh, we'll make sure you get that that T-shirt that you ordered as well because it's such a shame you couldn't make it. But like we say, hopefully uh, the first of many. Right, almost time for the main event on Dynamite. So just time to squeeze in a women's match. Uh, it was uh, Ruby Soho, Anna Jay and Sky Blue. Um, it's funny because it's true. <sighs> and this match was uh, thankfully saved because there were some men involved with it. Um, <laughs> Cool hand Angie's out there. There's a face-to-face when Soho got sent into the ropes. She gets back involved. Saito suplex on Sky Blue. Uh, uh, cool hand Angie trips up Blue. That allows Anna Jay, because she's trying to help Anna Jay as well, obviously. She gets a wheel kick, uh, posts Blue, and uh, Anna Jay's like, stop bloody making eyes at, at Ruby Soho as we go to a break. We come back. There's a like a powerbomb superplex Tower of Doom. Uh, Anna Jay gets a two-count off the back of it. Soho and Jay go to the outside. Blue Mr. Baseball Slide gets sent into the barricade by Soho. And making eyes at each other, her and Parker. Um, Matt, uh, Daddy Magic... Some and strong feelings on this match. Daddy Magic and Soraya pull them away. Um, Jay hits Soho with a pump kick. Uh, Blue hits a crossbody on both of them. Blue goes for Code Blue. Jay counters into a slam for a two-count. Uh, Daddy Magic trips up Soho... Uh, he, so then he gets into it with Soraya, uh, but a pump kick knocks Soho off the apron into the arms of Cool Hand Ange, and uh, Soraya and Daddy Magic just bollock both of them. Um, whilst all this is going on, by the way, whilst Soraya's yelling at Ruby Soho, um, Anna Jay goes for the Queen Slayer, Blue escapes it, TKO, one, two, three. I have no earthly idea... How I am meant to care about a single one of these stupid characters who are no longer even stupid in the correct ways. From that, right, I found myself caring about two of these stupid characters, but I'm going to explain why. 
Because again, I saw a very default criticism of pro wrestling on this match this morning. It pissed me off, right? It's free. We also f***ing precious about wrestling these days, right? It's not all about wrestling. Romance in wrestling. Who's losing it? Romance in wrestling, when it's done well, is goaded. Yes, but this isn't. Hang on. Randy and Liz, goaded, mm-hmm. right? Finally, Henley Brooks Jensen. Oh. <laughs> no, all right. Oh Weddings oh, draw. Good. Romance is often really funny. Mm-hmm. Tess and Stephanie over his balls in the era where everything in wrestling was gross. Their romance was actually so pure for a bit. It was just like getting the bigger cheers and sick stuff because it was like, that feels real. All of this is frat house, like crazy, luminous, jizz-covered nonsense, and that's <laughs> love. You know, and then it went a bit... But early days, Spike, Dudley, and Molly Holly, right? Just like this kind of ridiculous Romeo and Juliet story played out. Speaking of Romeo and Juliet, why are these two star-crossed? AEW is not asking the questions that actually matter. Book a frigging romance story between Ruby Soho and Cole Hanange because their mid-card is doing nothing. And this makes matches more interesting because all of a sudden, they're like, this isn't a super group. This isn't, why are they aligned? Well, it's because they've fallen in love. Right? There's actually a relatable reason, which is a direct answer to a very valid criticism that Sid has had about all these friendships coming together. Right? It's because they've fallen in love. There's, that's great. That's something that human beings do and yet can still wrestle. My issue with this is... I understand why Anna Jay has this issue with Cole mm. and Andrew Ruby. So the commentators even mentioned that when Anna Jay first turned to join the JS, she did it on Ruby. So they've got this, course, yeah. this backstory, right? So she not only thinks that this is affecting her chances of winning the match, but she doesn't trust Ruby Soho and Cole and Andrew's her mate, you know? So that I get that. What's Soraya and Daddy Magic's problem with just stopping these two people? Daddy Magic is uh, the he's like called yeah. Gotch. <laughs> yeah, how's that happened? <laughs> How the hell is that? Like he's just ruining everybody's fun, right? He he looked at them. Stop two. dancing. Stop making out. Yeah, he looked at them. Screw two. around too much. <laughs> <laughs> Having a cuddle as if they were Danny Garcia doing a dance. Soraya the same. Like I'll judge Soraya's choice in men, but I certainly won't judge Ruby Soho's here. This is, I just Anna, what I d- you, uh. why they didn't ask. That question, yeah. they've done that default wrestling booker thing where when two people get together, we got to split them up. But nobody's thinking in that writer's room. It takes one person. What's the actual problem? They're consenting adults and they've, they've found a bit of love. What's the problem? Don't know, but just in wrestling, this happens, doesn't it? In wrestling, this happens, doesn't it? It's I, a, I just, I, like, I was, I care. I am actually wanting to know what happens next with these two because mm-hmm. it's the kind of <laughs> I like. But, like, <laughs> do you accept there is literally, and I know that... It's never been, like, Inoki Genome Federation or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's never been, you know, to use the more accurate, not, uh, like, pretend to be funny example. Like, it's never been a uh, uh, ring. It's never been the UWFI no. rings. It's never been, like, proper New Japan fixture, 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 tournament, tournament, fixture, fixture, uh, right. It's always, and people, like, are the worst straw men in this regard. And there's always examples of, well, uh, there's a dinosaur and a supernatural cult and all the rest of it. Like, people didn't like that then. Yeah, There is an audience who just doesn't want a romance angle in wrestling. And the program, they want to it to not be WWE. I feel like... Even if it's done well or badly. I was going to say... It's these, almost immaterial at this point. These the millennials discussion. have had a couple of good examples of them working well, haven't they? Like, this audience we often talk about. I know you nailed this the other week, by the way, there. It's if you just boil it down to one audience, you're probably missing the point. Yeah. Like, everyone can like it. And that's kind of what AEW was so successful with because it found this that you liked and this that you liked. I feel like a lot of people know better. And it just... What you're seeing is something done badly. And anything done badly... It's is, bad. ...is done badly, you know? Nice. And I just... This was an example of them just the not... The timing doing of them doing it is so bad as well. When you are really 
losing the feeling, which mm. is so hard to get back? Or how can we get the people back who come to these arenas and make noise in these arenas and make it feel hot? Oh, romance angle. Like the optics of doing it, irrespective of whether it's done That's well or fair, badly, actually, are yeah. so piss poor. It'd be like an unbelievable time for WWE to do a romance angle, wouldn't I'd it? I'd love to see that like, in WWE right now. They I would, would honestly love to see that. Fans would be like, like, turn, like you'd see the quarter hour spikes for it. It's like, man, are they biting on this? This product's hot. And now these two characters have fallen in love. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's fair. Yeah, there's <laughs> a time and a place and a tone. Yeah. And I just think I, like the, the, I understand the Continental Classic is all but devised and dreamed up as a rebuke to all of these criticisms. Yeah. yeah. It's just in a massive identity crisis, AEW at the minute, like a massive one. But it's never worked in AEW as well. They should know the audience isn't into this. The uh, pros and cons, It uh, this was supposed to like, rehabilitate Sky Blue and the focus was completely lost and she yeah. looked opportunistic as a baby face winning her match to get back on track and probably get a title shot, which is the worst way to navigate to there as well. To walk back to something very quickly, the, you could argue that they've been telling love stories since day one. Mm-hmm. Day one... Various, various love stories. They've tried to do overt sexual romance stories, and they've never worked. This audience has demonstrably said, no, nah, I don't care about that. We've over had and over again. Ty, like Ty and Sam, we turned heel by being in love. Yes. Nobody wanted Baker and Cole together on screen. The chemistry was like, chemistry the vibes were bad. Yeah. QT Marshall and the bunny, like, what was going on there? Yeah. Really doesn't look good, does it, that one? No. Nope. Uh, so I'm just checking how many other women's matches were on this show. Just the one. Do you do this for SmackDown? Hmm? I don't want to be one of these. Don't uh, we do it, dickheads? <laughs> but do you do this for SmackDown? No. To be when fair. they frequently have we buried the division and the lack of booking. In That's it for good. Months. That's good. And now it's been like profiled for two weeks and it's been getting the highest ratings on the show. And it's like, yeah, ah, imagine that. that. That's good. <laughs> Everybody happy. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's it's, it's like, really <laughs> funny. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, before we go any further, um, let's get to the name of the game. And before we even get to the name of the game, let's get to the end of the game. The end of the game is to identify to the hour, minute, and second the exact time you hear the first note for the first woman for her entrance theme for the only match on Dynamite Rampage or Collision. It's all Dynamite. I'm not doing this twice a week. Um, just to underscore. It's not like I'm not doing this twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put in bold the fact that this happens around about the same time every single week. It happens every single week. This apathetic approach to women's wrestling in AEW just because at some point we'll win and not have to play. Or they'll do better and we won't have to play. But until then, nobody else can be asked anymore. Well, let's, you know, try not to be like every, you know, just trying to be ticks about it. <sighs> oh, I had a button and I realized how long I go every single freaking week. <laughs> That's the aim of the game. But the name of the game as well, this is... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. It's the, this is ladies' night, and I'm thinking... What a night. Can't do this anymore. Keep trying to change it up. Yeah. Made it a bit different for the for it's the punters. It's all over the shop. Like, <laughs> I don't know when you sit an extra click, and I was like, it's like aimologic or whatever it is. So what hey, Darius doing baby one more time. I'm yeah. Like, Where's this? <laughs> This is <laughs> Is it called noise? Is that that? Have I got you know this sort of stuff better than me? Where like the genres desire to like find the note within the note sort of thing. Where it's like I oh, didn't realize you could go in that direction. I don't know. This is what you've made of the ladies' night jingle. What would the uh, what would the devil sound like singing, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> That's 
skin. Um, shout as always to uh, Adam Blair at Adam Wilton Ford and Jose Palomares at the Ho 11 who always take care of the uh, data for this sort of thing. Thank you very much. Um, Adam also points out in the tweet this week the match was announced one hour and eight, eight minutes into the show. What? No, they didn't. No, that was, was a graphic. That was a graphic. Fair enough. Uh, win for me this week. Yeah. So you're telling me there's a chance. Are you back in contention? I checked this. Oh. I'm fairly certain. What's, what's that? All going well? All going well. I'm fairly certain there are three Dynamite previews and reviews that we'll definitely do on the road mm-hmm. to Christmas. Okay. The road to Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas go home show. Honestly, we've all got wrestling brains now. Yeah. I say shoot. I say shoot. At home. What would um what would Christmas be if it was an NXT special and we were on the road to Christmas? Oh, it definitely it definitely be like what was it we do for, we always do for the secret runner? Hello! <laughs> uh, but I've got seven now for the year. Sige out in the lead with ten. Hamlet with nine. So three more. I literally have to get... Ooh, every week. Every week. Um, but I, I, I guess at 120-something, it was like 135 on this show, obviously. But at the overrun, yeah. So I was thinking, 20-minute time limit. What? John Moxley hoofing a crate back said, give me a friggin' overrun, Tony. Um, <laughs> Gotta get my TV time. It was, ve- it felt, did it feel rushed or was that placebo effect because I didn't register on my fight feed that it was two hours, seven minutes? I thought it felt quite, the commentators always have this extra sort of like panicked energy yeah. about everything. It's like Tony Khan right back, Tony uh, Shivani right back in 1998. Yeah, Happening again. <laughs> Before we get to the main event, though, uh, Wardlow's working out backstage, hoying some, I don't know, scaffolding around or something. And Renee's like, What's going on? What do you reckon to the main event at World's End? Uh, what, are you targeting MJF? What's what? And he said, Look, the downfall of the devil will happen on my time. And then AR Fox walks up and says, Hey, I've been here. Point blame on everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I did it with Darby Allen. And Wardlow's like, I don't need advice from anyone, particularly not you. And then just headbutted him. So they're going to have a match, aren't they? Because that's how sure these things are. work. Like, <laughs> what an absolutely idiotic booking decision that could not do more for me to have just contempt for this idiot that is AR Fox, who, by the way, I really like watching. Yeah. He did that thing where he dived in the other week, didn't he? He was a swerve doing like a promo or something. Or the, the opening yeah, video, yeah, yeah. He jumped in and attacked him. And he's gone, not really. Worked out for me recently. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go and confront Jacked Up Wardlow. Remember in the BCC before they overtly turned heel? Or it did they? I don't know. <laughs> or, or care. And Wheeler Utah's role was walking up to somebody, anybody in backstage segments and going, I don't like the way you're acting. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just got his ass kicked in the TV matches. And that's like all of the money and investment gone into Moxley and Danielson's for that. For, for this poor lad who I kind of feel sorry for, just doing what he's saying in the format of the TV show, going, you. And nasty <laughs> day, I don't like you very much. And then this upper mid card heel who's getting pushed just kicked his ass. <laughs> Jesus Christ. AR Fox played the role of Wheeler Utah tonight. I've gone, <laughs> I says, Well, right, what have you done today? Is your day, Michael? 
I just uh, I ran face first into a tree. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what did he do that for? I was like, someone told us to do it. <laughs> it's like, that's what he is. It's yeah. like, he's just willingly. <laughs> My just boss told me to do it for money. Yeah. But if you're AR Fox, it's like, you've just asked to get your ass kicked. <laughs> but Renee Paquette should have stuck around and said, what was the best case scenario in that one? <laughs> what were you hoping would have happened? Yeah, honestly, that like there's an element of old AEW of her saying, well, how did you think that was going to go? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like they would have picked up on that yeah. as a stupid thing that happens in wrestling. This reminded me, like, this was AEW's, like, slightly sharper version. I thought, like, needlessly cruel one that, do you remember, like, Brock Lesnar, was it, like, Moose Fartley, he's walking out through a grill, he just turns and goes, get a life. There's not an F5 you could have hit, hit as hard as that did. Get a life. <laughs> it's just like, just get a life day out, Fox. Uh, right, maybe. But, uh, but, but now who's going to win when yeah, this I know, I know, I know. Well, <laughs> well, well, well. We shall see. Uh, uh, Moxley versus Mark Briscoe was the main event. Uh, and they wasted no time, understandably, looking at the clock uh, to get into it. Redneck Kung Fu, drop kick through the ropes, blockbuster off the apron. Uh, Moxley avoids the froggy bow, though. Boots uh, Briscoe off the apron. Go to picture in picture. Whilst that's going on, uh, Briscoe got busted open. There's some, uh, oh, there was a cro- it was crossface punches. I think that's when it was brought to my attention. Pile driver for a near fall. Moxley counters a neck breaker into a choke arm breaker, um, but Briscoe gets to the ropes. Briscoe fights back, bites him, but dives right into a paradigm shift. Uh, but Briscoe sort of no sells that. Drop kick, both of them go down. Briscoe hits a rolling death body driver and the froggy bow, but can only get two off the back of it. Um, takes out La- uh, Moxie with a lariat, wants the J driller, but Moxie hits a King Kong lariat and a death rider, but Briscoe manages to kick out of it. Uh, the crowd are really behind Mark Briscoe. He uh, gets put in a choke, but he kicks off for a near fall. Uh, Moxie hits an half, a half and half, but Briscoe rolls through his feet. They have a forearm battle. Um, Moxie cuts him off, though. Curb stomp, another death rider. One, two, three. There's a nice show of respect between the two of them as uh, Moxie stands tall to close the show. I was desperate for Mark Briscoe to win this. Yeah. Not, I like Mark Briscoe. Like, so many things are true at once. I love Mark Briscoe. I not only love Mark Briscoe, but the man is so talented and has proved his talent for decades over and over and over again. The Briscoes were, like, absurdly consistent. Like, so much so that I was like, oh, the Briscoes are great again. You know what I mean? Like, people kind of, like, lost sight of just how great they were. And Mark Briscoe is just such a great working baby face. He can mix it up in any style. He's got this unreal ability to tell an in-ring story, to stay in there, to have the crowd on side. It's not just uh, Mick Bris- uh, Mark Briscoe's had, like, a horrific year. Like, he's a great, great worker. And I think I watched this match in the Jay White one, and I'm thinking... Can he not have, like, a title run? Maybe. Mm. Can he not headline a pay-per-view? Can he not get, like, a big babyface push? Because realistically, who is as good at doing what babyfaces do or should do as Mark Briscoe in 2023? Very, very few. Mm. Very, very few. characters to find. Oh, why? Historically. Absolutely why? Absolutely why? And it's no longer, like, um, extend a bit of sympathy towards Mark Briscoe. I think it ever was. The guy's just f***ing mint at what he does. Mm -hmm. So I love him. I think he can do so much more. I'm also pretty damn bored of John Moxley, and particularly this uh, not just really hard kind of guy. Who is he? Mar- you know, the thing about John Moxley and the stupid trappings of this stupid Blackpool Combat Club sta- uh, stable, right, is that I generally believe John Moxley is in that rare orbit of pro wrestling genius when he's at his best, but I'm finding that increasingly difficult to justify or even believe. Like 
John Moxley's kind of playing that guy when, and it's, I think a lot of it's obviously Tony Khan. And, and, and Hanfler keeps pointing out, he books this product, right? You know, fictional characters that exist. A, a big part of them exist through his pen, right? <laughs> John Moxley right now is playing the guy who, you know when you're like 14 and you think you've got the, uh, I don't know what to do actually. Everyone else is getting it wrong. <laughs> baby face heel stuff. It's pretty lame. Um, I think I'm just going to be like the hardest guy in the world <laughs> and just be like a tweener guy. Just if I kick everyone's ass, yeah. hey, maybe I'm the best. Maybe I'm the hardest. That's John Boxley. Yeah. He's like your first E-Fed character. He yes. necessarily play by the rules. <laughs> uh, no, he's not like a bitch, so he doesn't cheat either. Yeah, he's got a 10-inch dick at the same time. That badass just donated 20 grand a chair. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, I just find it's like there's no charm. There's no charm yeah. Yeah. to this John Moxley act um, anymore when I used to just love him so much. I don't yeah. know what's happened. Um, and I was just desperate for the sake of the tournament, for the idea that I could go and watch um, Daniel Garcia on Collision. Thing. I could win. Mm-hmm. Tone's been set. Um, Ghetto was such a genius at that night one upset. Just sets the tone. And this just felt like... The Continental Classic, and I kind of say the last three minutes of this were electrifying, mm-hmm. and I just love Mark Briscoe. A froggy Bow is becoming like the Sami Zayn Blue Thunderbolt. It is, it? yeah. One of these days. One of these days, Because yeah. these near falls, he's getting off. So I love the last three minutes, and the idea of him almost surviving John Moxley was like the most I felt for anything on this show, realistically. Um, but I, the Continental Classic was meant to be this AW like it used to be. It's always like a romanticized, like yeah. Mandela effect thing, anyway. The Smoky Mountain thing, like the way you used to be and the way you like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like a bit of that, yeah. a bit of that, a bit Mandela effect, but whatever, I'll take it. Um, and you get three predictable matches, characters that haven't necessarily been booked particularly well of late, and the matches are, apart from this, which did get the crowd for most of it, the matches are basically, I will react to the finishes. What's changed? And mm. what has changed? Continental Classic was meant to change things. And again, it's we, It's night one. It's night one. Yeah. This is the theme of the podcast. I'm trying not to be fickle. It's night one. Where's the upset? Yeah. Where's the drama? Mark Briscoe winning. As I'm watching this and I'm thinking this, Mark Briscoe winning is what has made this be the main event of night one of the Continental and the Classic. And I wanted him like, to. And I don't really care about the results in AEW that much across the board anymore. I was desperate for it to win. Yeah. And when you've got that, and the crowd obviously feel it, and they yeah. felt it for weeks, I'll let it play out. They were trying, with the Continental Classic, they were kind of almost trying for December to establish a new kind of status quo. And they kind of just reminded you of the old one yeah. here. And I'd like, they t- I, I'd, John Moxley winning, fine. But I don't think, like, I don't want to understate how like deflating a booking decision that was. And you don't want to feel deflated. Like, all my personal, maybe suggestions now, personal feelings to John Moxley to one side. You don't want to feel deflated about a character like John Moxley winning. I get that that character has to win a lot, nearly all of the time. But the whole, I, the whole point of the tournament is supposed to yield like the opposite of the emotional response you got like in John Moxley's mm. victory here. You were like, I wonder why this hasn't really, like, they haven't really given you a big match. They didn't give you like Danielson Kingston, to me, would have been like, you know, if you sw- that would have been like night one. We are in. Oh, my God, this tournament's going to give you this. 
every night, because that's what the G1 kind of falls yeah. you into. Some of those early block matches, a second or third on the yeah, card, yeah. they're not that. But the main event is, yeah. or and he knows every night there's at least that one thing. They're like, this frigging tournament gives me something this big every day. And it's like, it hasn't given me one yet. So that must be mean Mark Briscoe's going over. And then he doesn't. So it's like, what's it giving me? And I get on the same with Sidgwick. I don't want to sound reactionary. Or I was just as excited to see the names so I can remain excited about the stuff to come. But AEW's got a huge problem with making you anticipate things. And this is a continuation. Yeah. Well, let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite in the comment section or on X at WhatCultureWWE. Where I say you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilburn. Follow our brilliant producer at It's Adam Nicholas. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sid will be back tomorrow to preview AEW well. Collision. <laughs> uh, but for now, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet, Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 